0: All right, this morning's sermon is going to be from uh, the first epistle of John the Apostle. And um, I apologize that I did not check and see what page it is in in the Pew Bibles. But it's near the end of the Bible, almost right before the book of Revelation. Um, So uh, if uh, you're able, will you please stand for the reading of God's Word uh, we're going to be looking at First John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Page 1301. 1301. And as always, uh, we need uh, God's help to properly interpret His Word and also for His Word to have the proper effect on us so that we are not hearers only, but also doers of the Word. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, as we, um, as we come to Your Word this morning, to Your Scriptures, we pray, Lord, that You would open our hearts and open our eyes. That we would see and understand <clears throat> what it has to say to us. What you mean and what you intended when you inspired its writing by your holy apostles. Lord, we know that, uh, that we are sinners. That we have a tendency to um, bring to your word our own biases. That we tend to twist it by our own sin. That we tend to hear what we want to hear and, and um, reject the things we don't want to hear. I pray, Lord, that you would restrain our sin and instead fill us with your Spirit that, and apply your word to our hearts by your Spirit, that it would have your, the desired effect. We know that your word will not come back to you void, but will accomplish what you desire. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would imbue your word with power. And um, and uh, impact our lives today, in Jesus' name, Amen. John chapter one, or First John chapter one, verses one through four. <clears throat> I'm reading from the NIV, so that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, jesus christ we write this to make our joy complete may god bless the reading of his holy word you may be seated first john is one of my favorite epistles and i i refer to it a lot um it's had a lot of effect to me since I've become a Christian. Um, this uh, epistle is uh, very re- closely related to um, the gospel of John. Uh, in fact, many scholars believe that um, it was meant to build on the gospel of John. The, uh, uh, in, in reality, neither the gospel of John nor the epistles of John... Identify the author, though uh, most scholars do believe that John is the author, and uh, the testimony of the church fathers all affirm that John, the Apostle John, is the author of that gospel and these letters. So uh, we will assume that John is the author. They were written for very similar reasons to combat emerging heresies, which began to distort the nature of Christ and the message of the gospel. When John wrote his gospel and his letters, he was uh, the last living apostle, and perhaps the last living eyewitness to the life of Jesus. Not surprisingly, some teachers had begun to merge Christian teaching with other religions and with Greek philosophy. Um, It was common in the Greek world, uh, they were... In Jesus' time, they were getting away from traditional Greek mythology and were being uh, influenced by Eastern religions. Uh, during the time of the preaching of the gospel, mystery religions were very popular and they, they, they mixed together uh, uh, common mythology with uh, esoteric teachings. It was common for them to believe that if you were in this religion and part of the inner circle, you were exposed to s- to secret knowledge and teachings which, which gave you uh, uh, intimate uh, truths and things that n- the common man didn't know. You know, it was um, a little akin to salvation by philosophy um, or by secret knowledge and... Um, you know, enlightenment. Um, so, many uh, many in the early church came from the Greek culture, of course, and it was natural for them to bring their thinking into the church. In many ways, this was uh, um, what sp- spawned a lot of the debates, early debates over the nature of Christ, and and. Uh, His deity and his humanity and and things like that Um, so they began to speculate about the nature of christ and because they thought themselves wise and thought they had obtained some secret knowledge they began to believe their imaginations took precedent over the teachings of the apostles and um uh some of the things that 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 they believed in. And these teachings that John's writing against are early forms of what came to be known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism didn't become fully developed until, um, you know, a century or a century and a half later. But it was found in its early forms. Part of what they believed was in um, what's called dualism, where they believed um, that materialism the material world itself, matter itself, was intrinsically evil. So they saw our bodies as intrinsically evil and spirit as, as intrinsically good. So in the Greek mind, uh, resurrection was something foolish. They didn't want to be resurrected and keep this, this uh, sinful body. They wanted to be liberated from that body and be pure spirit. And they also thought it would be uh, foolish that uh, um, that Jesus would be crucified in order to pay for our sins and then raised from the dead. Um, so, um, and incidentally, uh, in Acts chapter 20, Paul warned about this. The uh, scholars think that the Churches that John was mainly associated with had migrated after the destruction of the temple. Had migrated to Asia Minor, and uh, which one big center was Ephesus. Incidentally, on his uh, on Paul's way to Jerusalem, where he would be arrested, he gathered the elders at the church of of Ephesus, and he uh, gave them a warning in Acts chapter twenty. Uh You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. He says, I know that none of you uh, among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So, um, if you read the first epistle of John, it appears as though that's exactly what had happened. Because the heretics that John is writing against were not Um, false teachers from outside the church they were false teachers that arose within the church they had an initial profession of Christ but then they began to distort the gospel and distort the nature of Jesus Christ and they began to draw disciples after themselves and they left the body of believers and um, presented themselves as having a teaching that even superseded and How overruled the teachings of the apostles. So John saw the need for a, a gospel grounded in his own eyewitness testimony which supplemented the other gospels and clarified theological points which were ambiguous or left unanswered in the other gospels. You know that's why The Gospel of John uh, is so different than the other Gospels. You know, he relayed things, um, uh, you know, events in Jesus' life and teachings that Jesus gave which were not included in the other Gospels. John's Gospel and John's letters speak to the very heart of what Christianity is. Christianity is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, in our text today, uh, he begins with a message that seems kind of cryptic, um, but uh, it really makes a lot of sense. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. So, there are two things that John brings out here in this one verse. He brings out, or he uh, emphasizes the deity of Jesus Christ and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Because that which it was from the beginning in the word of life, it, he is referring to Jesus Christ. Um... So at the outset, John emphasizes the preexistence and eternal nature of the Son of God. And he also proclaims the humanity of Jesus. This, this uh, first opening to his epistle uh, is connected or uh, is, uh, echoes what he wrote in his gospel in John chapter 1. Here he talks about that which was from the beginning. And in John chapter 1, he says In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then, um, so there we have the deity of Christ, of the Word, who was with God. And uh, was with God in the beginning. But then, later in verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. So um, here as as in John chapter one, um, uh, the apostle John has here the pre-existence and eternal nature, the deity of Christ, and also the humanity of Christ. The humanity we see because that which was from the beginning we have heard. And we have seen with our eyes. We have looked at and our hands have touched. This is very important because um, those who who John is writing to were de- denying the humanity of, of Christ. They were saying that the Christ was divine, but the man Jesus was only... A vessel that he was just a human, and that the Christ only came upon him at his baptism, and then left him before his crucifixion. They would deny that the Christ uh, would suffer and die. That would, or that the Christ would be raised from the dead. They they uh, believed that Jesus was just a man. You know or that the Christ only appeared to be a man. <clears throat> there were different variations of the teaching. So John refutes those things. Now, he, in this verse, he's laying the groundwork for what he covers um, in more detail in the, rest of the, in the rest of the letter. There are three things that John emphasizes um, as far as the theology of Jesus' identity in uh, the rest of the epistle the first is that jesus is the son of god he writes whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god or god abides in him and he in god and he also writes who is it that overcomes the world only he who believes that jesus is the son of god <clears throat> that jesus is the son of god speaks to his preexistence. Because the Father sent his son in the Gospel of John, I counted 38 times that Jesus said he was sent by the Father, which means that he existed before he became a man before he was born. and three times in chapter four in first uh, John chapter 4 John emphasizes that God sent his son. For example in um, He writes, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And also, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So, um, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, He said, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. So, um, His existence did not begin with His physical birth. He became flesh. The next thing <clears throat> the next thing that John emphasizes is that Jesus is the Christ. There is no uh, separation between the Christ, the divine Christ and the human Jesus. Um, Jesus is the Christ. The The doctrine of the God-man, that Jesus is fully human and fully divine in one person. Two natures in one person. He writes, for example, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also so that any idea that you can approach God without having Jesus without uh, believing in his son is is uh, wiped out and blown away there just as Jesus himself said he said I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me so you can't have the father without the son If you reject the Son, you reject the Father also. So, he also writes, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Um, That Jesus is the Christ speaks to his deity and to his mission as the Savior of the world. If Jesus is not the Christ, then his death on the cross accomplished nothing because they believed that the Christ left him before he died. That would mean that his death was ineffectual. Tragic, yes. You know, maybe even unjust. A good man died, but it did nothing for us. You know, um, we would still be dead in our sins, as Paul writes. They believed not in, sal- not in the, uh, salvation through Jesus Christ. They didn't believe they were saved by Jesus Christ. They believed that they could be saved by knowledge by gnosis, um, um, by uh, enlightenment. And John's telling them, no, you cannot... Uh, first of all, your knowledge is false. Next, next uh, you can't be saved by knowledge. The only way to be saved is through the atonement of Jesus Christ. But the... Um, So, if Jesus is not the Christ, as I said, his death on the cross accomplished nothing. Um, The the scripture testifies that it is Christ who laid down his life. Uh, For example, in Luke chapter 24, um, when uh, Jesus appeared to the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, He said to them this, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, uh, the things concerning himself. And uh, Paul writes in the book of Romans, For while we were still helpless... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you see, as John says, Jesus is the Christ, and it is Christ who died for us to, uh, to pay for our sins as an atoning sacrifice to God. The third thing that John emphasizes in this epistle is that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So first, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Um, he writes this in, in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. Well, I'll go back even a little further. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So, um, Jesus was not some illusion, and um, uh, the the Christ did not leave Jesus before his his, uh, death on the cross. For that matter, the Christ did not come on Jesus at his baptism. He was the Christ from birth. You know, He he is the Christ. And He came in the flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. This speaks to uh, Christ's humanity. And Christ's humanity is essential to His mission as our Savior. John repeats again and again that it is Jesus Christ who died for us. For example, in chapter 2, of this epistle he says Jesus Christ the righteous one he is the propitiation for our sins or uh, the atoning sacrifice that's what propitiation means it means that that um, that he uh, that through his sacrifice he appeased the wrath of God and paid the penalty for our sins, earning, purchasing our forgiveness through his, uh, through his blood. He also writes, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And in chapter 4, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, or to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, uh, Jesus, for the Son of God, became a man in order to bear our sins. Uh, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, He Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree. So, see, he, he, his uh, humanity is essential to our salvation because he bore our sins in his body. The writer to Hebrews writes that since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. The writer to Hebrews also writes For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. I also want to read this passage. You can turn to it if you would like to in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, and I'll read through verse 10. He writes, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. So, see? Christ's coming into the world and says to the Father, a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, sacrifices and and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. Nor were you pleased with them though the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So you see that um, his humanity is essential, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh <clears throat> is, ascent, is essential for our salvation. Not only did he come in the flesh, but he was raised in the flesh. Um, this incidentally is also contradicts the teaching of Jehovah's Witnesses because they would believe that Jesus was only raised as a spirit. They were influenced by Gnosticism too. Uh, so, for example, in Luke chapter 24, I'll just uh, read from my notes. You don't have to turn there. It says, Now, as they said these things, that is, the disciples, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be to you. This is after he was crucified. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So he was raised physically from the, from the dead. Raised in the flesh. <clears throat> Oh, it goes on to say, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. So to prove that he was not a spirit, that he was a man raised from the dead, he ate in their presence. And incidentally, he continued to appear to them over a period of 40 days until, the, uh, until he ascended into heaven to prove that he was raised physically from the dead. It also says in John chapter 20 um, that uh, when Jesus first appeared to the apostles, Thomas, doubting Thomas, we know him as, was not present. So when they told him they had seen Jesus, Uh, he didn't believe. So it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So in Colossians it says that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That is in the man Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And it says that um, in Colossians 2.9. That in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So he was raised physically from the dead and he ascended into heaven still um, in his physical body and he retains that physical body even now he is forever um, both God and man Um, and and uh, reigns in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father so Back in our, our text. <clears throat> in verse two, uh, 1 John chapter one, verse two, John says, The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John emphasizes, well, first that Jesus is eternal life. He is uh, the word of life. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Jesus also said he is the bread of life. He gives the water of life and that he is the resurrection and the life. He has life in himself. He said, just as the Father has life in, in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. So he is life. And um, he is the source of life. If we want life, that's we have to find it in the Son of God. John also emphasizes his eyewitness testimony. He's appealing to the uh, apostolic authority that was, you know, that he and the other apostles had. That if, um, if our teaching strays from the teaching of the apostles, then we no longer have the, the true gospel. We no longer have the truth. Um, at the heart of 1 John is the concept of authority. With all the competing teachings out there and many teachers claiming to know the truth, How do we know who to believe? The identity of Jesus is confirmed by the testimony of the Father and the Spirit. But these historical facts were witnessed by the apostles and proclaimed to us through their testimony. So um, they proclaim to us what they have seen and heard. And so when we believe the Bible, what we are doing is we're believing the testimony, the eyewitness testimony of the apostles who saw and heard what Jesus said and who handled and touched him, who witnessed his resurrection, his crucifixion and his resurrection, and even his ascension into heaven. And the scriptures bear this out. For example, we did not follow or in The Apostle Peter writes, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And uh, even the Apostle Paul, who said he was abnormally born, says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So, um, Paul or John is saying that, uh, you know, later he says in this epistle that uh, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. We believe the truth, testimony, or the apostolic teaching, the teaching of the apostles. So now he says that we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a philosophy, it's a fellowship. It's fellowship with the Father and with his Son, and it's only accessible through fellowship with with the church the only true church is that which is rooted in the teaching of the apostles and by the church you know i don't mean um one denomination but i do mean the um the bible believing christian church that accepts that believes the bible and that uh, accepts the teachings of the apostles as found in the scriptures and teaches the God of the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible. But, um, you know, uh, there there's no such thing as, as lone wolf Christians. We are part of a fellowship, part of a body, which is traced back to the apostles. Uh, Paul said that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, you know, um, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. So uh, John's purpose in writing is is that we may have fellowship with uh, with them or with us, meaning the apostles and all true believers, and through that also with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. It's similar also to what he wrote in the Gospel of John, how he said, Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, that, uh, say, would lay the groundwork. Uh, I won't have time to go through full through this epistle fully but um uh, i will next sunday lord willing be uh preaching out of this epistle again but that's kind of a summary of what that epistle is about about um about how to have eternal life who jesus is and how to know um whether or not uh you are a christian let's pray Lord, we uh, we praise you for your word, for um, <coughs> the teaching of the apostles, and and how um, you inspired their writings and moved them to write what they wrote down. How you preserved the scriptures so that we um, could see by their testimony and believe in you. Even though we have not seen you, even though we have not touched you, we are blessed even more than they because we believe based on their testimony, based on your written word. Lord, um, we'll pray that that, uh, you would strengthen our faith, that you would cause us to abide in the truth, and that um, you would cause us to... uh, Abide in the fellowship of believers and in fellowship with you and with your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.